You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast. Your number one podcast for Florida Gator football. Scared money don't make money. All right, guys. National signing day. Um, culmination of a lot of hard work. Uh, certainly, what a group of uh, recruits here and families. Uh, just you know, that chose the University of Florida, you know, and, and all the things that come with that. Um, ton of respect for the belief that they have in what we're building here. Uh, certainly a blessing to welcome such a talented group, but also a group that's got character. Um, you know, really thankful for this group, you know, and I, and I think if you're into rankings, um, to have a top 10 class in the first year, just really proud of our staff and all the hard work that went into that. Time will tell uh, if our evaluations uh, were spot on. Um, this is where it all starts, though, right? It starts with evaluation and recruitment. Um, really proud of the staff, all parts of the organization. You know, it really takes a team, um, you know, operations, personnel, on-campus recruiting, the equipment staff, uh, Gator Maid does a fantastic job. It's a big part of what we do in recruiting, creative media, uh, video. Uh, can't thank the Hawkins Center enough for, um, and we have a number of, of professors that contribute. Um, and the UAA pilots, always got to give them a shout out. They certainly make life easy uh, this time of year. A lot of people uh, contribute to what we're trying to do here. Uh, great group. I know you all have individual questions about this group, but, um, you know, we'll add this group to the um, core group of veterans that we've got coming back. Uh, we'll continue to work in January and certainly in February, evaluate all the players that are available. Uh, still got some work left to do, uh, but couldn't be more proud of the staff and humbled by this group and uh, their trust in us. All right, folks, hope you all had a Merry Christmas and you guys can sit back and listen to another episode of Getting Swamped as we review the early signing day results and the uh, recruiting class overall so far uh, for heading into National Signing Day and uh, Sportal Editions a little bit here too as well. But Florida finishes early signing day here with 20 high school signees. On three, has them right now as a 10th-ranked recruiting class with a 91.55 average player rating, which places fifth nationally in average player rating points. Rivals has them at the 12th-ranked recruiting class with a 3.9-point average, which ranks third nationally. If you go by Rivals' point average, they do it a little bit differently than all the other sites there. Uh, 24-7 Sports has them ranked as the 12th-ranked recruiting class with a 92.34 average player rating, which ranks fifth nationally among average player rating of all teams uh, included in those rankings as well. 11 of those prospects, 55% of them with a 92-player average or above in the class of 20 prospects. So 55% of your prospects in your class are ranked inside of that 92-player average ranking or above, which I, I, I believe you have to at least have a 92 or above to at least compete with some of the best teams in the nation, you really want to kind of get it to 93 or so, but 92 is good enough. And before we get into breaking down this whole recruiting class, I want to go ahead and, uh, and, and you look at it nationally and you say, oh, 12th ranked recruiting class. This is kind of like Dan Mullen all over again. If you want to put it that way, you can. But at the same time, Dan Mullen's class had a lot of attrition as well. 
And, it, and on top of that, the player average wasn't as high either. If you go to 2019, his actual bump class, which is the second year you have to recruit instead of transitioning from another head coach, he only had a 90.56 average player rating and didn't have a blue chip ratio that was as great as Florida's, which we'll get into this year of their blue chip ratio. But they had 26 commits in the in, in Dan Mullen's bump class. 17 of those were blue chips and eight were three stars or below. So if you take the blue chip ratio from Dan Mullen's bump class, let's see. It comes out to be around 65.3% of a blue chip ratio. Now compared to Florida's, if you go by 24-7 sports, we are at a 90% blue chip ratio per 24-7 sports. If you go to on three, we have an 80% blue chip ratio and a 90% blue chip ratio per rival. So you want to compare that to Dan Mullen's class. It's a little, it's it's not even a little bit better. It's a lot better than Dan Mullen's bump class. But Dan Mullen's bump class was ranked ninth nationally and fifth in the SEC compared to this year's recruiting class, which is also ranked fifth in the SEC. So Teams are probably recruiting a little bit better this year than they were in Dan Mullen's bump class, but at the same time, this recruiting class is a lot better than Dan Mullen's bump class. I know a lot of you folks did not like we were replaced. I personally didn't like it either because there was a lot of elite prospects and five-star guys that we were after. We did not land. That is an issue, and that is something you're going to have to take care of, especially in this next class, which you do have two guys in five-star range in the 2024 class. But Florida is going to have to start winning these battles for these top 50, these five-star guys, or they will be left in the dust compared to the SEC. You're not catching up to Georgia. You're not catching up to your LSUs, your Alabama. Alabama's uh, recruiting like that. It's it, Georgia's going to completely dominate you every single year unless you recruit a lot better than what you are. Now, I will say the blue chip ratio, player average, as I said, a lot better. So we're getting there. But we're not quite there yet. But if you really want to break it down from the teams that are actually ahead of Florida, they're not ahead by a lot of points. I think Florida's sitting at a 272, Oregon's at 273, Clemson 275, Tennessee 277, Notre Dame 279. So really, if Florida could have landed one five-star prospect, they probably would have been bumped up to number eight, the number eight recruiting class, uh, just based off of just that in general. I think a five-star guy is worth eight points, so to bring you up to 280, yeah, you'd be the eighth-ranked recruiting class if you could have just gotten one five-star at the end of early signing day there. But if you look and go and just look at the teams that are ahead of Florida, I mean, Florida's only signed 20 prospects. Uh, Oregon, who's in front of them, signed 27. So it took them seven more prospects to get ahead of Florida only by a point. Clemson, 26 prospects to be ahead of Florida by three points. So that's six more prospects Clemson has taken over Florida's 20 and they're only ahead by like three. You go to Tennessee, they got 25. So that's five more prospects than Florida. And they're ahead of Florida by five points. You go to Notre Dame, 24 commits. They're ahead of Florida by seven. And just about every team that it's above Florida has either had 25 commits, 26 commits, 23 for Texas, if you look at it, but Georgia 27, Alabama 28 with a ridiculous recruiting class there. Nobody's recruiting like Alabama they are this year. Uh, but Ohio State probably makes the biggest argument of, hey, we're flexing our recruiting muscles here. They only got 20 commits in their six-ranked recruiting class with a 93.57 player average ranking. So that's really good. I mean, extremely good to even be number six with only 20 commits. Uh, I think Florida has a good argument of saying, hey, look, we might be placed 12th nationally. But, I mean, you add a couple more commits in there. You could add just maybe a top 250 guy or, or something like that. And you're probably sitting in the top 10 anyway. But 
at the end of the day, Florida signs 20 commits. And as I said earlier, there's 11 prospects, which is 55% of those prospects with a 92-player average or above in the class of 2023. 12 prospects in the top 250. 60% of the prospects are all in the top 250. There's four prospects in the top 100. And the big bugaboo that did bug me this cycle, and you were in the mix for a lot of these guys, zero prospects in the top 50 or five-star range. That's something that was the dagger for this recruiting class and made them rank 12th where they are at. Now, as I said, you pull one five-star, you're talking about the eighth-ranked recruiting class instead of the 12th-ranked recruiting class. You could pull two, you're probably talking close to top five. So uh, it is what it is, though. It's still early signing day. There is national signing day, and there are prospects that did not sign their national letters of intent on early signing day, uh, Cormani McLean, one of those, a big dramatic thing. I don't, I, I would not take him back if I was Florida, uh, but looks like he's going to Colorado. Uh, we'll see, though. We'll see heading down the stretch with that. And uh, yeah, just uh, my general thoughts on the recruiting class. And, um, you know, it's it, it's not a bad recruiting class. Uh, when you look at the ranking, of course, you're going to be like, wow, God, this ranking not going to get it done, fifth in the SEC and all that. But you look at it, how many commits we took and what the blue chip ratio looks like, which is a 90% blue chip ratio per 24-7 sports, 80% blue chip ratio per on three, and 90% blue chip ratio per rivals. You look at that and you're like, wow, maybe it's not as bad as we think. But at the same time, could be better as well. The recruiting class overall consists of three wide receivers, one linebacker, one quarterback, five defensive linemen, three offensive linemen, three safeties, Two cornerbacks. Now, Dijon could also play corner. Uh, he is listed as a safety on 24-7 sports. One athlete in Aaron Gates and one running back in Trayon Webb. So uh, if I'm Florida and it comes to the transfer portal, I'm, I'm definitely looking at linebacker, which it looks like they may have taken care of that issue in a second. I don't know if they're going to take any more. I would look at a running back if you're trying to take two running backs in this class because it looks like Fletcher obviously you know, went where the uh, – uh, all, all the money's at and that Texas A&M problem that they're going to have over there at Miami. Um, might want to look for another cornerback. I think you're good at safety. Uh, definitely want to get more offensive linemen. Florida really knocking it out of the park here, defensive line style. Five defensive linemen and all of them in the top 250 or better, except for Gavin Hill. He's ranked 307th composite-wise nationally, but every other defensive lineman in the top 250 or top 100. Kelby Collins leading that charge there as the number 60th prospect overall in the uh, sixth-ranked defensive lineman in his class as well, with a 97.3 player average rating. Second highest graded prospect in the class, of course, Jaden Rashada, quarterback, the highest graded prospect in this class nationally at 56, but 24-7 does have him listed as a five-star and 29th overall nationally. Uh, really, I, I mean... Florida saved this class with flipping Jaden Rashada. I mean, you don't flip Jaden Rashada. You're talking about a 15th ranked recruiting class or worse. So uh, yeah, definitely flipping Jaden Rashada was 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 a good thing there. But Florida overall, fifth in the SEC, needs to be better than that, especially down the stretch. And as I said, you're off to a good start in the 2024 class. But Florida, the worrisome part here, only taking 20 prospects in this class too. So you definitely need more bodies. I mean, you you got really good quality bodies. The, don't get me wrong. You got really good quality high school kids coming into the University of Florida, but there's only 20 of these guys. So transfer portal is going to be huge coming down the stretch. And Florida right now has a couple of guys in the fold. Graham Mertz, a transfer quarterback who was a top 50, looks like prospect in high school. But uh, 
not really the greatest quarterback when you look at film over at Wisconsin. And I know when you you put certain quarterbacks on different teams, uh, you give them a better offensive line, you give them some receivers, they can look like a completely different quarterback. But at the same time, uh, I'm not going to say is is a bad prospect to take in, but I don't think he's the guy that's going to be able to – lead Florida to, you know, uh, a 10-win season or anything like that. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And, and obviously, Florida, they're still after some other quarterbacks. You know, there's the Grayson McCall rumors. You got the Hartman rumors. Uh, we don't we don't know uh, anything about those. We'll see what happens down the stretch. But uh, Florida taking a uh, also defensive lineman there from Louisville, Caleb Banks, transfer from uh, Louisville there. So plug in some holes that you need uh, there, especially defensive tackle-wise. Florida also getting a linebacker from the transfer portal, a uh, Ohio State transfer there, Terrajad Mitchell. It sounds like that's his name. I'm very not pretty bad at pronouncing names, but I mean this guy was a top 50 prospect linebacker. I think he's battled some injuries from what I've heard, uh, but you definitely need people at linebacker, and getting an elite talent like that from the transfer portal, injuries or not. Uh, helps. It helps a lot. So Florida's so far hit the transfer portal for for three guys, but of course there's going to be a lot more bodies being needed, especially with the transfers out from the Dan Mullen era. And my philosophy is, though, if the kids don't want to be here and they don't want to compete in the offseason program and um, they're, they're very tied to the last coaching staff, then they probably just don't need to be here anyway because they're not going to have a full buy-in. And luckily that I said that, I'm going to go ahead and play a clip earlier on this week about some of these transfers and me asking Chris McClellan uh, what he thinks about the players transferring out and all that. So here, let me go ahead and roll this clip. Hey, Chris, uh, you mentioned about uh, some of the guys on the roster. Maybe there wasn't a full buy-in from everybody. Uh, We we did notice a lot of players went into the portal this season for the University of Florida. Some had different reasons. Some maybe have needed new terrain or to start somewhere else. Did you ever get the feeling that, like, um, maybe some of the guys, and you don't have to point fingers or say anybody's name or anything, but did you actually do get like some of the guys that they probably didn't have a full buy-in and that's why they went to the portal? Uh, yes, 100%. I feel like a lot of the guys like, like that weren't a hundred percent in or, or wasn't willing to like really give a 100% to the program had to leave because, you know, it's not something they was used to. And I feel like it was it all like goes back to discipline, you know, like, uh, like no, I, no, like disrespect to Coach Mullen, but just from what I heard from the older guys, like they had a lot more leniency than they did with the <clears throat> than they did with this staff. So I feel like they wasn't like used to it, and like Coach Napier do ask a lot of us, but it's all for our best interest, and I and I, I just don't think that they like was prepared for that. There you go. Chris McClellan coming out there. Uh, got a lot of um, got a lot of pats on the back for that question. Um, I, I was really interested in what he had said prior to that. He mentioned something along those lines about people transferring out, but he didn't really delve into it. And I said, dude, this is my time. Like, this is my shot. I need to ask this question because I want to know. Like, a lot of fans wanted to know, too. And I've had a lot of these these kids on my podcast. I've interviewed a lot of these guys. And you could tell that they they liked what they saw when, when he first got there. And they were talking about the phases and, and how hard they are and sometimes can be grueling. But they, they tried to buy in. I'll, I'll say this. and I When you're a head coach of a team, you're kind of those kids' father figures because they spend most of their time at the university. Of course, they spend time with their parents. But 
you, they spend a lot of time there it, it, studying, school, football, practice film. So you're around them a lot. Like you're, you're their father figure for the next three to four years there. And when you etch like really bad culture into a kid that's like 18, 19, 20, they get used to it. Like, like, do you really blame it all on the player? Because I really don't. I mean, Dan Mullen etched this into their brain thinking this was going to be, oh, we, we can do whatever we want. In comes Billy Napier, and it's complete. It's a complete shocker to them. It shocks their system. But I think, I think a lot of these kids wanted to buy into what Billy Napier was doing. But at the end of the day, like Dan Mullen brought such a bad culture and brought such a just a, a, a lazy vibe to letting them do whatever they want to, and they got used to that. And it's kind of like, oh, dude, I just need to get out of here. I need to go somewhere else. And you kind of saw that on the field a little bit too with some of the guys on the defense not fully it looked like they're just not fully bought in and um it bleeds over I mean it really does bleed over so with all the kids transferring out and you're hearing Chris McClellan say what he had to say and he didn't say that think that there was still a full buy-in even there was I, I think there was some kids that were bought in and they wanted to buy in um I think further on down the road uh there was kids that weren't bought in and never was and I think that their attitude bled over into them, and that's why they kind of, you know, you, I mean, people are influential against a lot of, I mean, these players hang out with each other a lot. So, unfortunately, the bad influences got bled over from the good influences. But, of course, when you're used to that for two or three years and your head coach is out the door, uh, yeah, a, a complete 180, a complete shock to the system might just say, hey, dude, maybe I need to get out of here. But that's what I said. Out with the old and in with the new. I, I want kids that are Billy Napier kids, kids that are bought in, kids that that want to play for the team and want to be successful. I mean, you you look at this past year. Who were the best players on the team? Osiris Torrance, Montrell Johnson, Trevor Etienne, Ricky Persall. I mean, those are the best guys on the team this year, guys. I mean, you've got some Mullen guys that, you know, Ventrell Miller and all that, but I mean, you got to look at what Ventrell Miller went through, man. <laughs> he went through Jim McElwain. Went through Dan Mullen, being injury, having injuries and stuff, and then he's here for Billy Napier's first year and his last season. I mean, Ventrell Miller's been through a lot, guys. He's been through three head coaches, and he never gave up on the team. And I think being a Jim McElwain guy to begin with kind of helped. I mean, I mean, go back and look at Dan Mullen's first year. I mean, is it like years one through three, all of his successful guys were Mullen guys, like Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony, Kyle Trask. I mean, he did get some guys from the transfer portal, like Van Jefferson, who proved to be a good spot on this team. Uh, Trevon Grimes proved to be a, a, a decent player. Maybe not the best, but a decent player. Uh, you just look at the overall offensive production from Jim McElwain guys because of a different mentality. And then once Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony, all those guys leave, you bring in, you start your quarterback, you start the guys that you, you know, you recruit in that 2018, 2019 cycle, and the teams went, only went in six games. And then they win six games again this year. So to me, when you look at it, personally, I think Dan Mullen just took whoever he could get and whatever teams they didn't want. That's not me trashing any of the kids or anything like that, but obviously... The, the, the mentality and the attitude rolled over after Jim McElwain's guys left, and now you're bringing in Billy Napier's guys, and they're the best guys on the team. So, I mean, Chris McClellan, 
hits the nail on the head, man. I mean, you could just tell that there was kind of no buy-in. I mean, as I said, the the best players were the McIlwain guys when Mullen was here. And when Billy Napier just got here, the first-year guys and the transfers that he brought over the best players on the team this year. Was there any Mullen guys that you can think of that Mullen recruited high school-wise that have just been all-star, best player on the team? There might be a few. I, I mean, I... I don't see it. I, I haven't seen it at all. I mean, Jacob Copeland, he transferred. He wasn't the greatest wide receiver. I mean, Emory Jones wasn't the greatest quarterback. Uh, I mean, just uh, here, we can even we can even go look at uh, Dan Mullen's recruiting classes. Let's look. Okay, so Richard Garage kind of panned out there towards the end, so I'll, I'll give him props on that. Justin Watkins, we know what happened with that situation. Kyle Pitts, yep. Th- this is all transition class, by the way. So Kyle Pitts was a Jim McElwain guy. Amari Bernie, Jim McElwain guy. Trey Dean, uh, that was kind of a Dan Mullen guy. Damian Pierce was a kind of Jim McElwain guy, kind of Mullen-esque, whatever. Lucas Kroll, not even on the team anymore. Andrew Chatfield, not on the team. Uh, David Reese, Malik Langham didn't even make it on the team. Iverson Clement, he's not part of the team anymore. John Huggins, I mean, all these guys, like, just... Okay, cool. You go into that transition class. Some of those guys, Jim McElwain put in the work to recruit them, and they still wanted to come to Florida. Some of those guys you brought in yourself. Okay, let's go to the... 2019 class, Chris Steele didn't work out. Kyrie Elam, actually, there you go. That's one of them. Kyrie Elam was a good player. Chris Bogle, not on the team anymore. Tyron Hopper, not productive, not on the team anymore. Uh, Keon Zipperer, still on the team right now. Uh, And actually, I I kind of like to say a lot of good things about him. I mean, he stuck through it and he hasn't complained. Uh, Didn't see the field a lot because of injury this year, but you know, he was a little bit of a bright spot, especially in that Tennessee game. So uh, give him a little bit of props there. Mohamed Diabate, was he productive? Not really. Off the team. Lloyd Summerall, love him to death, but not, I mean, not really productive when he got on the field. Off the team. Naquan Wright had battled an injury or so. Wasn't the best running back. Off the team. Jalen Humphreys, we all know about that. Michael Tarquin, now he's in the transfer portal. Actually, kind of was, mm, is all right. I, I would say all right. Jalen Jones, we know that situation, kicked off the team. Jaden Hill, still here. Let's go to 2020. Gervon Dexter, a good defensive tackle there. Give him a spot. Derek Wingo, still a great kid. Uh, just really hasn't really seen the field, so we don't know what we're getting with him. Xavier Henderson, he's been okay. Not a, about the greatest kickoff returner, better receiver. Uh, Jahari Rogers, not even on the team anymore. Jaquavian Frazier, we've seen some bright spots from him. And uh, just I, I don't know, I haven't really seen the field. Isaiah Walker, we all know about that. Ethan Pouncey. Antoine Powell, we're starting to see a little bit of that. Anthony Richardson, we all know um, about him. Uh, he's actually so some of these Dan Mullen guys kind of panned out um, when you when you go down and you look at it, but it's not a lot. All these Dan Mullen guys did not pan out. I mean, you go to the 2021 cycle. I mean, half these guys are transferred out. Corey Collier's in the portal. Del Carlos Del Rio, Marcus Burks still on the team. Uh, Donovan McMillan, he transfers out. Good kid, great player. Uh, Jason Marshall, still on the team for now. We'll see what happens with that. Jeremiah Williams, still on the team. Uh, Dewan Black, uh, had some issues there. Hits the portal. Uh, kind of was told to get to the portal. Dejon Reynolds, you know, what's that? Justice Boone, Chief Borders, Gage Watt. I mean, I could go down the list of all these recruits, but can you really tell me any of the Dan Mullen recruits right now that are have been stars from like the 2018 to 2019 class when you're supposed to hit your peak. Like you, you can't really say that they're the best players on the team. Maybe Dexter and I can probably point maybe two guys that, that have had significant 
playing time and has actually been productive. But when you go to the transition class, so some of these guys were kind of still mulling guys that stayed committed, and some of them were were um, Billy Napier. Like Kamari Wilson was Billy Napier. Shamar James was committed to Mullen, still came even with Billy Napier. Uh, Chris McClellan, we've seen what he's been doing when he's been in the game. Pretty good. Trevor Etienne, we all know about him. He's been productive. Devin Moore got hurt um, earlier in the season, but he, he flashed. He flashed. Uh, I haven't seen much of Jack Pyburn, Jamari Lyons, some of these, Arliss Boardingham. He's been battling some stuff. Uh, so, I mean, some of these guys we haven't really seen much production of just based on the fact that they came in the last cycle. They're the young guys, whatever. But, uh, I mean, look at the transfers. Ricky Persall, Osiris Torrance, Montreal Johnson. Those three right there out of the six transfers that we've seen time from. Pretty good players. Pretty good players. Jalen Kimber. We've seen a little bit from him this year. He had a pick six that helped us in the, uh, I think, of the USF game. Uh, so good thing. Uh, Cameron Waits, we haven't really seen much of. We will see now. And then Jack Miller, obviously uh, a transfer. You needed a quarterback. You, you got a transfer quarterback. But he wasn't going to be the starter anyway. We knew that going into the season. Um, but you see it. I mean, I just pointed out just five, six guys already that have had significant playing time and have flashed their abilities. So, I mean... And a lot of these other guys still haven't had a chance to play. So, as I said, Chris McClellan nails it on the head, man. I mean, these guys are in the portal for a reason. Now, Ethan White getting into the portal, he's a productive player, too. That that one kind of hurts. But, as I said, if you're not fully bought in, you're not going to play up to your potential anyway. You might as well just hit the portal. Um, but he, he hits the nail on the head, man. Uh, culture's got to change here. Culture's got to change at the University of Florida, and I think that's what Billy Napier was aimed towards. And, of course, he wants to get the elite guys. Uh, we did miss on a lot of elite guys, but did we really miss on the elite guys? All the ones that took the money and ran to a team that can hardly fill up Hard Rock and and looks like the team's just falling apart with the—I mean, like, that that team was bad. Miami was terrible last year, and no fan support whatsoever. Uh, does that on-field product really make you want to go to the University of Miami without taking some lunch money with you? I mean— uh, not me. <laughs> uh, if it wasn't for NIL, Miami would not have that recruiting class. That's all I'm going to say. So yeah, yeah, we'll we'll just leave it at that. And I know a lot of people will say, oh, well, Florida only won six games. Why would kids want to go to Florida? Well, we still fill our stands and we still say don't back down and we're still sold out and packed out crowd no matter how the game's going. And we have full player buy-in support from the fans and we're not losing and getting blown out by really crappy teams all year and just... Just no no desire to want to play the game of football, no desire to want to improve, uh, no, no fan support whatsoever. Uh, I mean, when you've got a multitude of those things into a program, like nobody's coming to that program unless you're, you're, you're sliding them some cash. That's, I mean, I wouldn't want to go to that program. I mean, do you see kids lining up to go to Middle Tennessee who completely blew you out? and um, looked like a way better football team and had a way better product on their field and had more fans in their stands. Do you see kids lining up to go there? No. I mean, they, they, they beat the doors off you. They had a good bowl game. I mean, you know, you don't see any kids lining up to go there at all whatsoever, and they've had more fan support. They've had a better on-field product, and their coach talks back to you after the game, after he blew you out. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't see a whole ton of five-stars lined up to go to that program. But a whole bunch of these kids all of a sudden just wanted to go to Miami. Hmm, okay, I wonder why. 
Yeah. I wonder why Cormani McLean didn't sign his letter of intent yet. I mean, he was fully bought into Miami and he said he knew where he was going to go three months before he even committed. And, you know, he said he loved the staff and he's, you know, completely 100,000% committed to Miami, but yet has the case of the limber tail and doesn't want to sign his letter of intent. Um, wonder why. Hmm. I, I, that's, God, that's a mystery, isn't it? But enough about the tropical depressions down there in Coral Gables. Billy Napier had a press conference talking about early signing day and some of the guys that came into the Florida class, signs their letter of intent. And we'll cover that here on the second part of Getting Swamped, coming up. Need a sign for your company, your man cave, your live stream or podcast? Give my guy Brandon White a shout out at White & Sons Wood Carving. He has the best handcrafted signs nationally, all custom fit for your needs. With state-of-the-art paint and epoxy, you can have that glow of your sign too with some custom LEDs as a package as well. Give him a shout out on Twitter at WS Woodcarving. You can also follow him on Twitch and check out his Facebook page at White & Sons Woodcarving. Top of the line signs made from scratch. Lots of people are wondering, what's Gator Collective? It's a team of talented athletes and passionate fans. It's the playbook for our NIL success. To earn compensation for our name, image, and likeness. It's exclusive access to unforgettable moments. <gasps> this includes autographs, interviews, appearances, and more. It's what connects Gator athletes like me. And me. And me. With you. So what are you waiting for? You are a part of our team when you join the Gator Collective. You do a great job supporting your Gators. This is your chance to show your support off the field. Join Gator Collective today and help Gator Nation be the best place for NIL opportunities. Go to GatorCollective.com today and support the Gators like never before. Bowl season is about halfway done and the regular season is wrapped up in the books and Ben Chase is almost on his way to chasing 70. But there's one thing you don't have to chase this bowl season and that is more money to play fantasy when you sign up for prizepicks.com with promo code SWAMPED. Join PrizePicks with promo code SWAMPED to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Signing up for PrizePicks is fast, simple, and it takes about 60 seconds. You put in your info, put SWAMPED in the promo code slot, and you'll get double your deposit up to $100, folks. PrizePix offers a variety of sports to choose from, like college football, NFL, soccer, MMA, basketball, baseball, esports, you name it. PrizePix has it all there for you, folks. PrizePix also lets you mix up your lineups with different players in one lineup as well. So if you want to put some extra loot in your wallet before New Year's, join PrizePix today with promo code SWAMP to get in the game. PrizePix.com. Daily Fantasy Simplified. You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast with your host, David Soderquist, your number one source for all things college football and Florida Gators. Yeah, I can't compliment uh, Jaden enough relative to who he is as a person, as a leader, his character. Um, you know, Jaden's a guy who came here, fell in love with the University of Florida, you know, and really connected with a lot of people here, you know, and it was uh, sincere and certainly comes from a, an unbelievable family. You know, his mom, his dad, his sister, um, you know, just uh, nothing but respect for them uh, and the young man that they've raised. So, you know, he had a fantastic senior year, made a huge uh, playoff run, came up a little short in the uh, state title there, but just uh, – 
phenomenal run there as a senior. That's always a good sign, I think. So, you know, one of the more highly regarded quarterbacks in the country, I think a ball really jumps out of his hand. Um, you know, he's a junkie. He loves the game. He's all about the work. I think he's got a good sturdy frame that we can add weight to. Uh, but just been very impressed with him um, and his approach. I'm certainly excited that he's going to be here January 8th and he's coming down to play an all-star game here uh, soon in the state and, you know, we'll come right over. So look forward to working with him. You know, I just I think we felt like the, the connection was real. You know, I mean, we felt like there was something there. You know, I think we were really close. And then obviously a lot goes into these decisions. But um, uh, certainly as time uh, went on, we we um, we were consistent there. And I think the things that uh, there was common ground, you know, and I think the connection was real. So just think there's a high level of trust on both ends there. And um, I'm really excited about what he's going to bring to our team. All right. That's Billy Napier talking about the highest rated player in the class, Jaden Rashada. And if there's one thing I think Billy and Napier and staff has done very, very good since they've been here at the University of Florida is locking up a quarterback and an elite quarterback as well. I mean, you go to Jane Rashada's statistics. He didn't play that much his freshman, sophomore years. His junior year, he only threw for 2,220 yards, but he only had a 57% completion rating, a good touchdown-interception ratio there at 27 to 5 interceptions. Uh, you go to his senior year, though, 3,055 yards, a 62.4% completion rating, 32 touchdowns to 13 interceptions. So Jane Rashada improved gradually as he got older, 62% completion rating there. Threw a little bit more picks um, this year as well, but also was in some very, very tough playoff games. But uh, still need some things to get a little bit of things to work on. But the, the, the good thing you like to see is gradual improvement from a quarterback as they get older into the game. And that's what you kind of saw with Jane Rashada. You know, he talks about the connection they had. I mean, when you go back to his commitment during the summer, Rashada picks Miami. If you go back and look at that video, uh, you could just tell he wasn't happy picking Miami. I, I know he said he was tired from the process and such, but you could just sense he was. If you go back and look at that video, you could just kind of sense he wasn't happy with the decision. And I know the parents and, and such, they got heavily involved in that recruitment, but he, he kind of knew where home was in his mind. You combine that with a very terrible Miami season, sometimes money isn't everything when it comes to NIL. He eventually flips. He comes to Florida and realizes the Ruiz disease that's plagued Miami's football program wasn't what it was all cracked out to be. So Florida picking up a good one here in the recruiting cycle and flipping Jaden Rashada and, and in a way kind of saving this class because, I mean, with the whole situation that happened with Marcus Stokes and then, you know, you'd be left without a quarterback right now and you probably have to be going into the portal for two of these guys. So, uh, yeah, definitely a, a good omen that uh, Florida was able to flip that commitment there. And Jaden Rashada will have plenty of weapons to throw to in the future for the Florida Gators and Billy Dapier goes into some of the wide receivers coming here at the University of Florida. You know, Trey Wilson is, um, I think, one of the more dynamic kind of slot, run-after-catch, returner, um, you know, just a very explosive, instinctive player. I mean, he does some really unique things on tape uh, relative to adjusting to the ball, run-after-catch. He's dynamic, um, you know, you can throw an intermediate short pass to this guy. He's a one-play touchdown player, right? And um, 
you know, he also played both ways. He played corner, and he was fantastic there, too. He's tough. Um, you're really excited about what he can, you know, I think he's one of these players, very polished. He'll bring a lot to our team right away. So, um, you know, Aiden Mizell is uh, six one and a half. You know, he's probably up to 170-plus uh, pounds and uh, just verified speed. We're talking about elite speed. Both parents were track athletes here at the University of Florida. Uh, and this guy plays the game the right way. You know, he was injured this year, obviously missed the majority of the year, but um, he's a tough guy, uh, plays the game that way. Um, very explosive player in the vertical throw game and run after catch. You know, but this is a really unique athlete. He's going to run track here as well. Um, you know, he's um, one of the best 400-meter guys in the entire country and certainly I think he ran 10, 600 meters this past spring as a junior, right? So we're talking about elite speed. Um, got character, uh, very bright, um, just an unbelievable family. Um, and uh, he's got, you know, a little brother and little sister. I mean, they're just phenomenal people. And they, you know, it means something to him uh, to be at the University of Florida, and you certainly can appreciate that. So uh, he's going to bring a lot to the table. Andy Jean, I think, is one of another player, six one, a little bit bigger, 192 pounds. Um, you know, this guy can run the route tree. You know, he's um, this guy has unique acceleration. He can really um, eat up the coverage. You know, he can get behind you. Uh, and I, I respect Andy. Um, you know, just his attitude and approach to life. He's a blue-collar guy. He's a worker. Um, really a lot of respect for his family. You know, they work extremely hard. Um, Haitian background and just, you know, really respect what they're about, who they are as a, as a family. So I think all three of those guys are, you know, obviously Trey's dad was an NFL player. I mean, these are these are really good people and uh, fantastic football players. I think three of the best receivers in the entire country. I'm excited to see them. Are any of them going to be early enrollees? Two of the three. Yeah, Aiden and uh, Andy will be here early. And overall, how many do you expect? Uh, we, we, right now we're at 20, right? So we'll have 20 players that will start early. All right, Billy Napier talking about three elite wide receivers here with speed coming here at the University of Florida. And you heard Billy Napier say Aiden and Gene would be early enrollees and a total of 20 players early enrolling as well. So that's a good news for the University of Florida considering the attrition from the transfer portal and all that. I mean, these kids, are they're going to have to learn quick. I, I see these wide receivers being early contributors as well. Having Wilson in the class and Aiden along with Gene staying committed after trying to be poached by Miami, Florida State, some of the other schools really shows how bought in these kids are to Napier's philosophy and what he's trying to do here at the University of Florida. Just those three guys combined when it comes to player average rating, averages around 93.39, which each of them having very, very fast track speed. That's something you want, especially at wide receiver with all the guys leaving and, and, and just in general at any university. And luckily, Florida has some of the fastest guys in this class committed to them and signed and, and ready to compete for this spring. Secondary class and, and just what they bring to the table 
it seemed like some guys you had to maybe hang on to at the end. There were a lot of schools coming after them, but just what do you bring, get from a cornerback standpoint? And obviously, some guys uh, that can play nickel and safety. Yeah, very versatile group. You know, I'm just kind of go down the list. You know, Jordan Castell uh, is a six-two, two hundred-pound player. You know, that plays corner, but um, you know, I think is going to start in the safety room. You know, I thought he really improved as a tackler as a senior. We had him in camp, um, the height, the length he can cover. Um, you know, you go in that school, he is, you know, he is the guy, right? I mean, the, the principal, the teachers, the counselors, um, you know, his mom is an unbelievable person, obviously a great story um, with his, you know, he just tough dynamic with his dad and all that happened, but just really a guy, um, that I think is unique, you know, just love to be around him, you know. So I thought he had a great senior year, and, you know, to be 6'2", 205, and move around like he does, I think is a big deal. You know, Sharif Denson is, um, you know, when you go around the area, you know, and you visit different high schools, every coach talks about Sharif Denson, you know, and the competitor he is. He's a matchup player, you know, he can play corner, he can play star. Um, he is a competitor. We had a chance to observe him in the seven-on-seven -seven competition. Uh, obviously, both of his uh, parents being uh, University of Florida folks, you know, just cares about the place. Uh, and I think a very smart player that comes from a great culture there at Bartram Trail, he's going to bring a lot to our team, mature and ready to go, you know. So he is an early enrollee. Um, Jakeem Jackson, I think, is probably one of the more talented players in the class, you know, just relative to um, he's got a high ceiling. Receiver moved to corner. I originally evaluated him as a receiver. We had him on the receiver board. He makes the move. Um, he runs 10-9 as a junior at six foot and a half, 185 pounds. Um, you know, two-way player in some games as a high school player. Put on a show as a senior. Um, you know, one of the best players in the state, in my opinion. Um, and really a guy this time last year, you know, not a lot of people talking about the guy. So height, length, verified speed, and mom and dad are awesome. Um, you know, he's got a history of athletes in his family, you know, a lot of track background, you know, so they know what it's like. You know, he knows how to work. Great program there that made a run uh, in the playoffs. Um, Dijon Johnson, I think, is a very unique player for his size, you know, plays corner, um, very physical, can make a play on the ball, uh, 6'1", you know, close to 190 pounds, and a guy that, you know, you put him up there and he can put his hands on you, he's a great impress coverage. Um, I, I think he's instinctive, he's a great tackler, and he makes plays on the ball, so um, had a phenomenal a year there. Um, Bryce Thornton would be the last um, player on the list. And if you want to just go watch a highlight tape, go watch his highlight tape, right? This guy is, he's 5'10", but he's, you know, close to 200 pounds, 198 pounds, big features. Um, you know, his mother was an athlete, uh, basketball family. Uh, you go in this guy's school, you know, this, this guy's, you know, he's, Everybody loves Bryce. You know, he's got an unbelievable smile, just brings great energy. 
uh, played through some injuries, tough, you know, uh, played. And another player that comes from a great culture where they've won, they overachieve uh, the coaching staff there to get what they got out of their team this year. They lost a ton of players. Um, really, really impressed with Bryce, not only the production as a player, but just his demeanor, and uh, he's another early enrollee. All right, that's Billy Napier talking about the DB class, some of the cornerbacks there. If you go by player average, which a lot of people like to do, uh, the cornerbacks in this class, their player averages between all of them averaged around to be 93.07, which is another elite number to reach because, as I said, 92 is good enough to compete with some of the guys, but you really want to kind of be 93 at the most. Uh, 94 is very, very impressive for a recruiting class, too, but 93 is pretty pretty elite there, too, uh, for a recruiting class. But 92 is still, still up there. And at three positions, four positions right now, you have 93 or higher, and one of them is cornerback. And he talks about, you know, Jakeem Jackson, one of those guys that was a really high riser in this class. I mean, his recruiting ranking, I think, was in the 300s or so when he first started, made it all the way up to almost the top 100. Now, this is a kid I think is severely underrated. And I think, I don't even know if he hit a growth spurt or or what happened from, you know, his freshman to senior year. But you go look at, take just take a look at Jakeem Jackson's highlights. They're insane. He should be rated way higher than what he is, which I'm glad. I'm glad he's coming here to the University of Florida. You also talk, heard him talk about all the other DBs in the class, but really hits on Bryce Thornton. And this is a kid that played down there at Milton in Alpharetta. And I work in Alpharetta. I'm about 15 miles from Alpharetta. He he, he says a lot of good things. And Milton pumps out a lot of talent over here. Uh, So getting somebody like Bryce Thornton here in the fold, and you talk about how he's just... I think it's funny when Billy Napier talks about like each and every single recruit in this press conference because he breaks them down in details, knows their teachers, their principals, what they think of them, you know, how they do everything. It really goes to show you that, first of all, Billy Napier cares about every kid that comes here to the University of Florida, and he does his homework on each and every one of them, and he remembers it. Like, he does not forget it. So a really, really elite DB class coming in here. At the University of Florida, and, and Billy Napier even talks about the second highest rated commit in our class, Kelby Collins on the defensive line. To identify a guy like Kelby as gettable when he's in the backyard of a certain program, you know, how, how'd you guys make that connection early and, and stick it out? That's a great question. You know, we've got um, we got a handful of staff members that are from there. You know, there was a connection early. Um, you know, just within that area. Um, I'd be lying to you if I didn't think it was an uphill battle the entire time, you know, but we just kept coming back and there was a sincere, it's like, okay, I mean, you know, um, you know, we've got a grading scale that we use. I mean, Kelby Collins is a phenomenal player, you know, Um, and you, you know, it worked. You know, and I think, again, it's one, another one of those situations where they come here, they connect with all the people. Um, there's common ground there, and they've, you know, it just worked. So, um, and I think Kelby sees opportunity, and he's a guy, he's um, he, he's willing to be different, you know, and I think that's what it takes sometimes. So, um, you know, you think about that defensive line class, um, I'm excited about that group. You know, Gavin Hill is a local player. 
6'3", you know, he's up to 275 pounds, um, unique in that he played some tight end in the past. I thought his senior tape was special. He played with a shoulder, tough as nails. I mean, obviously, Coach Whittemore runs a great program over there. They uh, made a, a great run in the playoff. Um, you know, he, he's a gator through and through, right? There's just a different level of passion that he's going to bring. Um, I do think Cameron James is uh, one of the more impressive athletes in the class, six, five and a half, 260 pounds, and a former basketball player turned football. And I think he has a high ceiling, I thought, uh, really. And, you know, can't compliment um, that family enough. Um, they were – their approach to recruiting, um, just all uh, about all the right things. Um, just really enjoyed getting to know him and his family. Excited about Cameron. Um, being mid-year, you know, I just think his upside is um, tremendous. Um, yeah, Will Norman is is uh, one heck of an athlete for six, three and a half, three hundred pounds. You know, I mean, former basketball player, turned football, was at IMG, went back home for his senior year. Um, this guy could play on the edge at that size. You know, really unique traits. Um, I think his best football's in front of him. Lights up the room when he walks in. He's got a uh, great personality about him. His mom's a, a great lady. Um, you know, that really excited about that group. Obviously, we've got uh, others, you know, that will join them. But it's a, that's a good group of defensive linemen. Certainly, you know, if you're going to be good, you got starts up front. Yeah, Billy Napier not messing around. He, he quotes it great. If you're going to be good, especially in the SEC, it all does start up front. Florida right now with an elite lineup at defensive line. When you look at the average player rating of the five guys that they recruited on the defensive line there, it averages out to be a 93.01. And it's just a, a good thing keeping Kelby Collins in this class too, especially keeping him out of Nick Saban's backyard. You know, Nick Saban, uh, he he's been on a tear this recruiting cycle. I think um, I think last year kind of made him mad with him like not winning that national championship, and he uh, he's been like a buzzsaw when it comes to recruiting, especially in the state of Alabama. But Florida able to hang on there to Kelby Collins, keeping him away from saving. Of course, you didn't have to compete with you freeze at Auburn uh, for Kelby Collins at the time, but you know Kelly Collins pretty solid in this class. You know he's been helping recruit for Florida. He he's you know he's just been all Florida Gator. You've never really got the sense that Kelby Collins was going to go anywhere. I know there's rumors and all that stuff starts with just people talking on the internet and all that other kind of stuff with like the trash talking, whatever you want to put there. But uh, you know defensive line. He talks about Will Norman being an IMG guy and uh, you know transferring back to his, his original school to try to help them win a title. Uh, just an overall great defensive uh, line team. I mean, you, you go down and you look at all these players' ratings. All of them are in the top 250 except for one guy, Gavin Hill, and he's just outside the top 250, and he might be underrated there as well. So uh, if, you, if you go down, I mean, just looking at position-wise, I mean, Florida really hits it out of the park here defensive line-wise. And one position that's plagued Florida a little bit here, especially maybe not with the last staff because they were pretty good at recruiting linebackers. A lot of them just left. And, you know, you're, you're left with Derek Wingo and a few other guys like Shamar James and Ventral Miller obviously being out from the NFL and all that. But uh, Billy Napier talking about linebacker Jaden Robinson. 
Jake Rongel, WCJB. Uh, you were talking about Gavin Hill, but you also brought in Jaden Robinson. How important was it to keep recruiting around the Gainesville area as a whole? Yeah, that's a great, great question. And Jaden, um, Jaden's one of my favorite players in the class. You know, Jaden's a guy that, um, you know, you watch his junior tape, he's playing safety. You know, he's playing uh, apex. You know, he's kind of out there in space. Uh, he shows up out here at seven on seven camp, and we get him at six foot and a half, two twenty one. You know, he's kind of grown into his body. They played him at will linebacker in the camp, and uh, we had a chance to watch him. It became pretty evident that he could play uh, linebacker, right? So, um, you know, comes from a great program, great area. Um, I think he's got. You know, there's a certain passion that comes with being from the area, if that makes sense. So um, as many of those guys that pass the evaluation that we can get on our team, the better. Uh, and I think that if you look back at the history, uh, when Florida's been good, they've had uh, the better players in the surrounding areas have come here to play. So we want to continue that trend. Jaden's another guy that has a phenomenal uh, family um, you know, mom, dad, his grandmother, I mean, really good people and certainly a lot of fun to be around. So, um, Jaden Robinson, you go, I think he scored a touch, a defensive touchdown seven weeks in a row in high school football. Think about that for a second. Seven weeks in a row, this guy scores a defensive touchdown. That's hard to do, right? So, very instinctive player. Uh, he's got a knack, you know, tough. Um, Excited about him being here early. Uh, certainly got a critical need there, an inside backer, and he's going to help that. How many guys do you think are ready to come in and contribute right away? Uh, you know, time will tell. I, I don't necessarily think you – sometimes you, as a coach you say you think some are ready and you think some aren't, and it ends up being different. You know, I think um, one thing I would say about this group as a whole – is I do think there is some awareness, there's some maturity there. I think they're all bright. I think they all come from great, um, you know, solid, stable situations at home. I think that helps. The other thing that's going to help uh, is you're going to have 20 players that start in January, right? And I think that translates to more reps and more teaching and more opportunity to get orientated to the university and just life in general in college, right? So. Um, but I, I do think that uh, there'll be a number of this group, you know, they're going to have to earn it, you know, and I think a uh, very competitive group that looks forward to trying to do just that. All right, you heard it. Billy Napier's favorite player in the class. We might have found us a sleeper diving in the rough here at linebacker, but uh, we'll see. I, I heard Dan Mullen say that Jamarcus Weston was his favorite player, and he was really underrated, but, uh, I mean, I, I think there's a big difference between Dan Mullen and Billy Napier, but... Uh, Really, really good omen to be the favorite player in the class. Uh, he says he plays safety, shows out in seven-on-sevens, he's growing out in his body. But the thing that, like, really stood out to me when he was talking about Jaden Robinson is he scored a defensive touchdown seven weeks in a row in high school football. You know how hard that is to do? That is very rare. I don't even know if anybody has scored a defensive touchdown seven weeks in a row in football in general. Uh, it maybe has been done. I don't even think it has. And if it has, somebody's come close. I just don't know, but you talk about him being very instinctive. I mean, you have to be pretty instinctive to get seven defensive touchdowns seven weeks in a row. I think the last really 
you know, full-blown linebacker that we've had at the University of Florida that was very instinctive and could stop the run, get picks, Brandon Spikes. I mean, that was the only linebacker I can think of that comes to mind whenever I think of like a very instinctive all-around linebacker. So Florida really, really picking up a good one here, uh, considering what Billy Napier's saying. Now, of course, as he said, when these kids get to campus, they're going to have to earn it. They're not just going to be plug-and-play guys. And, then, and you know, you, with all the transfers coming out, I'm pretty sure some of these guys will probably have a chance to compete early, uh, especially at wide receiver, I think. But Billy Napier not playing around. He says these kids are going to have to earn it. So Overall, when I look at this recruiting class, as I said, not really a lot of commits, rated 12th, 5th in the SEC, not where you want to be. But in terms of quality, uh, it's a lot better than Dan Mullen, I'm telling you right now. But I just wish we could have at least pulled in an elite or two, a top 50 guy, a five-star guy, gotten into the top 10, or maybe even got a little bit deeper into the class, getting like 23 commits, maybe 24. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. There's still National Signing Day. There's still time for players to sign. And there's also the transfer portal, which gotten a little bit of a slow start there. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But enough of my opinions. And as we do on this podcast every week, I took your fan comments and fan opinions, and we will venture into that territory. But first, Manscaped would like to have a word, especially since New Year's Eve and New Year's is approaching here and fast. And if you're going out there to meet a special someone on New Year's Eve and you're feeling a little bit rubbish down there, that's okay. Your boy David Soderquist could hook you up today when you purchase your Performance Package 4.0 or Platinum Package 4.0 from Manscaped.com. Purchase your Performance or Platinum Package from Manscaped.com with promo code SWAP20 to save 20% Plus, get free shipping, or you can use it to purchase any other product from Manscaped.com's lineup. When it comes to trimming the hedges, smelling good, being comfortable, the extra ball support, Manscaped has you all covered. I've tried the boxer briefs, the Manscaped shower gel, and the Performance Package 4.0 all together, and it has been a complete game changer for me, folks. Although I'm married, my wife's still very impressed with everything that Manscaped has done for me. But now, for you single cats out there on the prowl, You can't go wrong with any product from Manscaped.com. So let your boy David Soderquist hook you up today with 20% plus free shipping with promo code SWAMP20. Get your orders in today so those balls can look good when they drop again before the other balls on New Year's Eve drop. Manscaped.com, the ultimate best in men's grooming. You're listening to Getting Swamped with David Soderquist. All right, as I do every single week, I take your fan comments and your fan questions, and I took to Twitter and I said, I hope you all had a Merry Christmas, which I do. I hope you all had a phenomenal Christmas with friends and family. I know I sure did. But I said, back to football we go. What are your general thoughts overall after early signing day? And I'll start off with C7 Dude. He said, solid class, not great. Miami and Ruiz really took it to Billy and team. Yeah. Not sure if what Miami did is sustainable, but at least this year, it really hurt what UF was trying to do on the trail. Quarterback is an area of concern this coming year, however. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I say what I say about Miami, and I don't know if their approach is that great or not, but at the same time, it doesn't really, I'm not even really concerned about Miami and what they do or what any other team does. Uh, you're taking away from Florida. So it doesn't matter if Miami did it, Alabama, Georgia, Uh, Shoot, it could be South Carolina, Vanderbilt. I I don't care. You're taking away elite players from the University of Florida. And I think that's the big issue we need to, you know, concentrate on is like, 
we can't let that happen next cycle. I mean, the, the, the next cycle, to me, if you ask my opinion, it needs to at least be top five or better to even compete with some of the Georgias and all that. I mean, and, and of course, those those guys are going to have to grow. I mean, it's it puts you more behind the eight ball because, you know, usually these kids, they don't really hit their peaks till that second year. And, you know, if you have a recruiting class that's, as you said, it's solid, not great. It kind of puts you behind the eight ball a little bit. But, of course, there's the transfer portal as right now you're having to use that to fill holes. And, and bad you're kind of band-aiding, not bad recruiting, but you're band-aiding guys that you didn't get. And Dan Mullen did that. He band-aided bad recruiting with the transfer portal. And, of course, Florida State's doing it too, and they're doing a pretty good job of it. Um, Florida's got to get a little bit more urgent in that transfer portal, if you ask me. That's my opinion. But, um, yeah, I mean, something has to change next cycle. Uh, I know some few changes coming, especially to the Gator Collective. Uh, It's been out there. I I know the exact changes. I know all the details. Uh, I'm not going to give it away. Uh, But there's changes coming uh, for the collective side of things. Now, of course, it has to come down to all the other guys, the boosters and everybody involved as well. Uh, we'll see what happens there, but uh, something's definitely got to change. Something really definitely has to change here at the University of Florida. As I said, the recruiting is better than Dan Mullen, considering the quality of guys that we got in here. We just didn't get enough. We only got 20. On top of that, you didn't land any top 50. You didn't land any five stars, and those are the guys that you want in your class to win national championships. Uh, of course, you can't get them all. Can't get all the five stars. Can't get all the top 50, but you can get a good amount to compete with everybody else in the nation. So... CJ Black says we're truly going to have a roster full of players who are bought in, not taking kids just for stars and rankings. Solid class top to bottom versus top heavy and fillers. We're just going to be extremely young, but 2024 going to be dangerous once they're all experienced. Yeah, that's what I said. You're kind of a little bit behind the eight ball there, but as far as the transfers, you do want kids that are bought in. I mean, you really do. I mean, if there's anybody that even if some of these guys that transferred tried to go somewhere else to get a better NIL deal or somebody, yeah, uh, you know, the, the tampering crap that's going around, uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of schools are doing it. But, you know, if they're going somewhere else to get a better NIL deal, then they really didn't care about being in Florida anyway. On top of that, you know, guys that weren't bought in. I mean, as you said, you heard Chris McClellan. I played it at, earlier in this podcast. It's been all over the Internet. It's been on like third three or five news sites that I've seen. Uh, I've got a lot of people sending me that. I mean, I mean, that's that's what you want to hear. Like we were a lot of kids, a lot of people like me were wondering, hey, why are these kids transferring out? Finally, we get an answer from Chris McClellan. Now, of course, that may not be the situation for every kid, but we know for the vast majority, it's the situation for a lot of those kids on that roster. So, yeah, man, I, I completely agree with you there, man. You got to get players that are bought in first. You got to change the culture first. Then you can get in and concentrate on some of the elite. Of course, we did. We did on this cycle. We lost. I mean, it is what it is. Miami kicked our butt. They played keep away. They're going to have to deal with their problem that they got over there. I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about us. Those were guys that could have played for us. But instead, they went elsewhere, and the result is what you got. So Florida turns their head to National Signing Day and the portal, and we will see what they do there. I mean, Shoot, uh, we could go down a <laughs> we could go down a month from now and be completely satisfied with what happened, or we could wait till spring when more guys probably leave, and then maybe we get in some good quality guys from the portal there. So you just never know, really. I mean, recruiting is daily almost. 
Dennis Smith says, always want better, but with pay to play, going to have to offer the money. Don't see Gators doing that. More than ever, going to have to hit the portal hard. But with that being said, must get the right players, not just players. Yeah, uh, there's, as I said, there's a fine line, man. I mean, kids are going to want money for NIL. I mean, everybody's want to. They're, they're going to see other kids getting paid this kind of money, and they're going to want the same thing, if not better. I mean, that is a problem. But at the same time, do you want a kid that just says, hey, I know I'm good. I, I want this amount. And I'm willing to come here just for that if you're going to give it to me instead of just taking the higher amount of money. I mean, it's it's just a fine line. You, you've got to be able to find out. And it's really hard, you know, for Billy Napier and staff, too, because you you got to find out which kids are really level-headed, right? Like, so if a kid is wanting money or more money, is it just because they just they feel like they deserve that and maybe you can convince them, okay, whatever, or maybe you're still taking a good kid and then just paying him the money and he's not one of those guys that's going to deflate the culture or anything like that. You just don't know. As I said, it's a fine line, but at the end of the day, there's going to have to be more booster involvement in the collectives and everything else because you're not going to land any of these elite guys without a good a good size chunk of change to come with them. I mean, it's just you've seen it everywhere. Unless you've had already sustained success like Alabama, like Georgia, and even sometimes like Clemson, I mean, it's not going to be easier to get those guys to come to your school. I mean, Alabama doesn't have to offer a lot. To, uh, I mean, Nick Saban set them up for success and can prove that he has, and you're just going to want to play for a coach just for that. So uh, Florida's not there yet. I mean, Florida's struggled for over 10 years, and they're going to have to do something here. But good, but good comment there, Dennis. Uh, this one says, and I, I can't read the name because it's 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 kind of it's kind of bad but uh he says very very dissatisfied in the staff and their inability to get into bidding wars or at least watch what some recruits were asking for a class was solid but nothing elite and the signing of Graham Mertz is downright disgusting um uh, I have my opinions on the Graham Mertz thing uh I, I hate to say that like oh, it's disgusting the kid sucks I, I don't like to be that guy like I like to believe that maybe, kid gets better or maybe he just needs a different team a different I mean sometimes you can put a quarterback on a different team and they can be way better and I'm not going to say that this kid's going to be like Joe Burrow or anything but take Joe Burrow for instance went to Ohio State didn't really make it on the team didn't really it wasn't impressing any of the coaches transfers over to LSU has an okay year his first year but his second year completely elite offense of course he had a lot of weapons around him and that helps too but Joe Burrow could find the open guy and find him fast and deliver the football. And that's all you really need to do in a good quarterback. And he was accurate, too. So I'm not saying that's the case for Graham Mertz, and I'm not going to put that out there. Uh, but I, I wasn't satisfied with it either. I think Florida could have took a better quarterback, in my opinion. But at the same time, I'm just going to get behind the staff and hope that you know Mertz just – just thrives in this offense. I mean, he, you know, maybe he needs to change the scenery. Maybe he needs a, a different coach. Maybe he needs all this other kind of stuff around. We don't know yet. What if we give him a few weapons? What if we can give him a decent offensive line? What if we can give him, is he able to manage it better? Can he manage it better than Richardson? Of course, he's not going to have the speed or the athleticism Richardson is, but can he manage that offense? Can he throw a little bit more accurately than Anthony Richardson? Can he make the plays that he's got to make? Um, sometimes that's all you need from a quarterback, especially if you can run the ball really well. But as I said, Florida with his offensive line, 
they lost a lot of pieces, <laughs> a lot of pieces on this offensive line. Practically your whole starting offensive line this year is gone. It is completely gone. So, uh, yeah, Florida is going to have to hit the portal on the offensive line. So that'll be something interesting to watch down the road as well. Tony Nelson says, the freshman wide receiver group is going to be a problem their next in their second year. Some of the, some of the freshman year too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I agree with that statement. Um, when you combine speed, um, it changes a lot of things. You can get a lot more open than a lot of other guys. Um, inexperience, though, can cause you to make mistakes in route running and such, but um, it, it just depends on how fast these kids can learn and uh, get to the grind. And as you said, you heard Billy Napier say that a lot of them were enrolling early. Aiden Mazell and uh, Andy Jean, you know, I think Eugene Wilson's enrolling early, but he did sign his letter intent, so... Um, we'll see what when he when he comes in, but uh, he, uh, Tony Nelson also says defensive line and cornerback room is solid. I wish we could have hit on more linebackers considering our struggle stopping the run. Yeah, that was um, that's a position that Florida's delved into the transfer portal too. Got one guy from Ohio State transferring in, but uh, really curious to see how they do take care of that linebackers position down the road, but yeah, uh, there was some positions that I wasn't happy with on how Florida recruited that, but you know, you're not going to recruit perfect in every single class, but you at least expect a little bit more. And I, I, I did in this class, uh, you know, I, I, Dave Waters, he's one of my good friends. He released a podcast, uh, Gators breakdown that says, uh, uh, quality over quantity. And that's what it is, but you, you wanted to see more quantity, in this class and you didn't get it. So, uh, yeah, just, just interested to see how they take care of the, you know, obviously the eye opening issues going down the stretch. Cause I mean, like I want to sit here and I want to be uh, pretty upset about it, but at the same time, it's December the 27th. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> will I be upset in four more months when spring practice hits? And, you know, I just don't know. I have no clue until it, you're just going to have to see it. And then, course the season's gonna have to start and if the season starts and it gets off to a a bad start and it looks pretty bad (laughs) a lot of people are gonna be upset including me but that was all the fan comments not as many as there have been in past weeks but it is the holidays so I do understand a lot of you folks are probably with your family and enjoying that and enjoying Christmas and uh New Year's all together out of town so Florida overall player average composite for each position in the 2023 class I know I went over a little bit of this uh, earlier in the podcast, but I'm going to run down every position that they did recruit in this class and give the average player rating for each position. So quarterback, obviously, Jane Rashad only won in 97.42. I give that an A+. Running back, Trayon Webb, 90.24. And I think Trayon Webb is way underrated. That is, uh, there's no excuse for that guy to be rated in the 300s. And I kind of know why he's rated in the 300s. He, uh, he's been very vocal and open about, um, making Steve Wolfong mad <laughs> out there. And he's, he's talked about a few other guys. So, uh, that could be the reason why there's a dip in his ranking. Cause I, I, I can guarantee you this, there hasn't been a dip in his talent, especially his senior year. So, uh, yeah, all you guys, the, I, I, I hate to be a conspiracy theorist. Uh, I don't like to do that, but, uh, I do believe that there was a a little bit of uh, irritation there to the recruiting services when um, Tran Webb told them he was going to go to Penn State and then committed to Florida and came out there and told him he he did it on purpose. So, you know, he, he doesn't care. I mean, you as Gervon Dexter said it last year, <laughs> you don't carry high school ratings over to college. So it doesn't even matter what you're rated. You don't carry it over. So I, I know for a fact Tran Webb is better than that rating. But running back... 90.24 wide receiver 
93.39. Of course, we talked about it earlier in this podcast. That is an A-plus to me as well. We also talked about the defensive line. Average player rating of 93.01. Offensive line, an average player rating of 90.48. And, of course, I'll say this too. Offensive line is probably one of the hardest positions to scout. Uh, So I like the bodies that they're getting in, the really tall 300-pound guys. I mean, you get the heavier, taller guys in here, and uh, it's just easier to push people around when you got the heavier and taller. Of course, you know, some of these guys are going to put on muscle. Muscle when they get here, uh, you know, Desmond Watson was a guy that <laughs> weighed well over 400 pounds. He probably still does. But, I mean, he's been pretty productive. Uh, I'm not going to lie. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with these offensive linemen. And, uh, of course, going to the portal there, you really, you're really going to have to pour some, put some more offensive linemen here uh, on this side of the ball. Safety now. I'm pretty happy with this. This whole DB class I'm pretty happy with. Safety rated at 92.34 Player average ranking, of course, I did athlete here with longtime commit Aaron Gates, and he's the only athlete in this class, so it's 89.95. That kid stuck with Florida for a long time and through two coaching staffs, man. That's a that's a dedicated guy. Cornerback, uh, 93.07. Yes, I am very happy with the cornerback recruiting. Of course, you missed out on Desmond Ricks, Cormani McLean this cycle. Uh, very upsetting there, but uh, we know what Cormani McLean did, so I'm not really upset with that. I am not upset with the coaching staff telling him no, not to come back, because uh, he did try to come back. Uh, Desmond Ricks, I am a little bit upset about because that was a highly rated kid that reclassified, uh, and I think I think he's a bright kid, man. I think he's a really level-headed kid. I think he picked Alabama just because he wanted to pick Alabama. I mean, it is what it is there. Uh, no sour grapes there. Uh, Des- Desmond Ricks probably have a good future no matter where he plays football at. Uh, but cornerback still, even with those two misses, I mean, you've recruited pretty elite at that position. Linebacker, 89.33. We all know about that. Hopefully Jaden Robinson is the the guy that Billy Napier says he is. And uh, as I said, man, seven defensive turnovers in seven games. Pretty hard to do. Uh, so, uh, you know, overall, not a bad class. Very good quality. Way better quality than Dan Mullen. Way better quality than Jim McElwain. But uh, at the end of the day, as I said, you still want more commits. You still want top 50 players and five-star players. And hopefully Florida in the 2024 cycle and Florida could do pretty well in the transfer portal coming down the stretch. But, folks, that will do it for this episode of Getting Swamped. I want to appreciate every one of you folks for still listening, even through the holidays and being with family and all of that. Empowering through this thing with me solo, I didn't really have a guest on this week at all either. So uh, it's, it's really hard to get guests on during the holidays and such. So uh, yeah, very understandable there. Uh, but I do appreciate all the great guests that do come on this podcast and all the great fans that also listen to Getting Swamped, your latest in football statistics, special guests, and social media. Thank you for listening once again to Getting Swamped.